world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. What you're about to hear on today's program is the devious evil plan to destroy art and science by the American left. There are many, many heads to this monster. Now, you may say, well, I know all of this. Why do I have to listen? Listen, and you'll find out why you have to listen. But I'm not trying to be facetious here. I have a new book coming out very shortly that I need you to look at, okay? Inside the Plot to Destroy America. This is as serious as it gets. And you can help stop this progress of the evil communist left by buying the book right now by going to Amazon. And when it's out, you'll get the first few copies and proudly show it on your living room table or show it at work and start to spread the message before it's too late. Inside the Plot to Destroy America by Michael Savage. Order it now on Amazon. And now listen to this incredible podcast and learn who the evil influencers are. Thank you for listening. Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression. Elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989898. You go to a museum today. I used to go to the De Young Museum on a regular basis. I was once a patron. I stopped going when they had an exhibit of a woman's shoes there. I uh, stopped going when every other exhibit was about lesbian or gay or transsexual themes. I couldn't take it anymore. It was like watching people take feces and rub it on a Michelangelo. It was like watching people take fecal matter and rub it on a, a Da Vinci. That's what they did to the movies, these left-wingers. So, as I say, I'm going on today for my own audience, as though this is an old radio show. And you have seen what? So, when did this all begin? Some would say it began in movies with the arrival of the film Rebel Without a Cause, with some great, great characters in there, mainly uh, Sal Mineo as the sub-character. He was fantastic. And the uh, main character, of course, was played by whom? Do you know who played Le Rebel Without a Cause? You can find it. Well, I'm going to give you an assignment. James Dean. James Dean was a great actor until he died in a car wreck in his Porsche at the time, his Speedster. 
he got creams uh, on, a, on a road in California. A guy came out of a side road and crushed him in the Speedster. Great car. Uh, if you look up the Speedster, I'm a car nut as well. Certifiably great actor. He was in other great movies. But in the movie, which made him Rebel Without a Cause, he plays a teenager. He's really in his 20s. He looks too old for the part, as do all teenagers in those movies at that time. But he plays a troubled teenager in California who has a nice middle-class family. The mother is kind of an alcoholic. The father is a weak man played by the great Jim Backus. And the boy wants his father to be strong, but the father is wishy-washy and doesn't stand up for very much. And the kid is begging him to be strong, and he can't be strong. So that was the theme of the movie, and he's basically a nihilist. And people would argue, I think, that Rebel Without a Cause was the beginning, perhaps there was another one, I don't know, of the major beginning of the leftward turn in the films, which has led us now to this point where there are no films of any merit whatsoever. There's nothing. Avatar, Tom Cruise playing the same stupid role for the last 40 years, that's not art. It may be entertaining, but it's not art. It's dreck. And it's like Disneyland. What has Disneyland become? A left-wing machine to poison the minds of the young. So you say, well, why are you complaining about this? Well, I'm telling you what I'm doing in my life now. I'm a man who loves movies. I can't even watch anything made in America anymore on, on Netflix. It's all the same. It has to have a black hero or a transsexual hero. Every other scene has to have a lesbian couple kissing or a gay couple with a baby. It's disgusting. I don't care about that anymore. To me, that's twisted social theory. I'm sick of it. It's social engineering in my mind. I'm sick of it. So if I go on Netflix at all anymore, what am I watching? I'm watching violent Brazilian or um, Argentinian criminal crime movies from Argentina or Brazil. Why? Because they're raw. They seem to be based upon reality and they're not twisted. But I don't even enjoy them that much. Uh, you know, it, the dramas are good. They're well done. And they're, they're, they're just gr- gritty, horrible movies. But I, come, I, I can't watch American made movies anymore. They're just horrible. Books, I don't know a book that I've read recently, a fiction book, that has any value at all. I don't know any movie or book. And as I said to you, in terms of sculpture or paintings, can you name any sculpture or paintings? You don't even know the name of a painter or a sculptor. There was a day when we all knew people who were making great paintings. You can even go back to the 50s, the Kooning, if you want. He was certainly a radical. I don't particularly care for his, quote, art of the time, but he was... Uh, on the uh, per- perimeter at the beginning of the, uh, I would say, the uh, devolution of art in this country in many ways. Warhol, okay, the soup cans. I wouldn't consider him a great artist, great. But I understand what he was trying to do, which was basically take advertising art and turn it into the mainstream. I get that. But I'm into classical art. I have paintings from the 1870s, 1880s through the 1920s, even further than that of realistic scenes, of seascapes, California seascapes, of a volcanic a volcanic explosion of Mount Shasta. They're phenomenal. They're photo quality expert realism. You say, oh, well, that's so, so rigid. No, it's not so rigid. It's so perfect. That requires skill. That requires training. That requires severe capacity for art. Anyone could do the other crap and call it art. It's only a matter of whether or not people peddle it as, as art. 
So where am I going with this? Why am I doing this podcast? Well, for one, because I'm trying to explain social theory to you, applied social theory. And I might also add left-wing movies fail, by and large. Left-wing books fail, by and large. Pop culture fails, by and large, because it's not art. It's just intolerant of greatness. It's intolerant of heterosexuality. It's intolerant of the Caucasian race. It's intolerant of uh, Christianity. It's intolerant of religion. It's intolerant of the nuclear family. And so the ingredients that used to make movies and books and other forms of art work, these ingredients have been removed and we now have nothing, not even a pancake. The aesthetics have been destroyed by the politics. The internal elements of the works of art themselves are now gone because there is no plotting that matters. I can name one movie after another that were complete garbage. Uh, You've probably heard of them. Captain Marvel, Ghostbusters, Charlie's Angels, garbage. The left-wing approach to uh, film is to sell you a political agenda. And the political agenda is so given from the beginning, it's so obvious. The characters have no depth. They're simply representations of an idea, nothing beyond an idea. They're not, they don't project any humanity. Underdeveloped, poorly developed scenes and scenarios, predictable plots, no originality or creativity. Politics devouring the aesthetic, subordinating the art within a rigid matrix of meaning. It's all about politics, the left-wing politics. It is as though they are Hitler's Lenny Reifenstahl, only pushing the left-wing view. Now, I go back to the film world, to the late 40s, the Italian neorealist films that I loved so much. I couldn't believe it. There was a little art theater where I lived in Fresh Meadows, New York, and no one in my family went to it. I used to sneak in there every once in a while because I love these movies I saw, such as uh, Bicycle Thieves, Open City, Year Zero with Russ- by Rossellini, Rocco and His Brothers by Visconti. Phenomenal. These were aesthetic masterpieces. Masterpieces. Now, they, they did project politics. But they were interesting and effective movies because the politics were effective and interesting ingredients, not simply an authoritarian matrix where everything was reduced to a polemic. So the movies that I loved are gone. The emotion is no longer there. They're all parasites trying to destroy capitalism trying to project class struggle and poverty as the only things worthwhile. And, of course, racism and that how America is horrible. And that is why these movies uh, fail, because people don't want to hear that their country is no good. They don't want to hear that the history of the nation is all racist. They don't want the nation reduced the aesthetic of a sophomoric loser who should never have been allowed into the university to begin with, who is now running the university the same way that that Dr. Levine is running HHS, if that's what he's running. These are the most fallen people on earth. Now, you could say that there's misogyny out there and racism, and there will be truth in that. But my friends, 
there's a lot more to this nation than racism, misogyny, and homophobia. I'm Michael Savage. All I can say is spread the word because I know what the hell I'm talking about to you. Michael Savage, a host like no other. If you do a Google search on this, you'll find some interesting writings. Here's one I just found. Certainly, I'm not the first one to see this or to talk about it, but it's in my own way that I'm doing it. And I found the book from June 2018 called Outrage, Inc., How the Liberal Mob Ruins Science, Journalism, and Hollywood. I said, that's interesting, by Derek Hunter. I never heard of the book nor the author, but he knows what he's talking about. I'm going to read you an outline. From Derek Hunter, one of the most entertaining political writers today, comes an insightful, alarming look at how progressives have taken over academia, pop culture, and journalism in order to declare everything liberal great and everything great liberal. Progressives love to attack conservatives as anti-science, wallowing in fake news, and culturally backwards. But who are the real denialists here? There are three institutions in American life run by gatekeepers who have stopped letting in anyone who questions their liberal script, academia, journalism, and pop culture. They use their cult-like groupthink consensus as, quote, proof that science, reporting, and entertainment will always back up the Democrats. They give their most political members awards and then say the awards make their liberal beliefs true. Worse, they are using that consensus to pull the country even further to the left by bullying and silencing dissent from even those they've allowed in. It goes on. Just a few years ago, the media pretended they were honest brokers. Now, a CNN segment is seven liberals versus a sacrificial lamb. Tired of being forced to believe or else, the author exposes the manufactured truths and unwritten commandments of the establishment. With research and abiding sarcastic wit, he explains the following. The growing role of celebrities in the political world and movies with a message that dominate awards season, but rarely the box office. The unquestioning reporting on so-called studies that don't prove what they say they prove. The hidden bias of fact-checking when the media cherry-picks which facts they check. Celebrity scientists blending liberal activism with pretend expertise outside their fields. I could say Leon DiCaprio is an expert on global warming while he flies around the world with his girlfriends in his private jet. So this is a write-up of a book called Outrage, Inc. that I found just looking up quickly what's online about the illiberal uh, left and what they're doing to this country and the world. But you don't have to go any further than what we've been living through since COVID appeared on the, on the world stage. And that begins the death of science. I don't have to spell it out for you. We know that the vaccination is fraudulent. How do we know it? Uh, All the people getting COVID despite having been vaxxed and boosted. Look at the president right now. He was giving speeches not too long ago saying that this is a an epidemic of the unvaccinated, the unvaccinated. I tell you, well, he just got COVID. He was vaccinated and boosted. What happened to him? What about masks? It's been proven beyond a reasonable doubt that masks do not work. What about social distancing proven beyond a reasonable doubt? distancing doesn't work it was made up by a 14 year old who spoke to her father or mother and they said yeah well six feet makes sense there was no science there the death of science let's look at mental health heterosexuality is evil while anyone who is lesbian gay bisexual or trans is not only sane but better than everybody else 
How about food? Everything you hear about food is now false. Uh, vitamins, now they're attacking the vitamin industry, telling you you don't need them. When there's 50 years of evidence that the right amount of the correct vitamins not only can prevent disease, but cure many diseases. The same with food. Food is medicine. They're now trying to tell you you can eat anything you want. Just take their pills. What about exercise? They're now telling you that they know more about health than they've ever known before. And that regular exercise of the most severe kind is good for you when the opposite is probably true. People are vaccinated and boosted. Sooner or later, as we begin to live with it, virtually everybody is going to wind up getting exposed and likely get infected. This is, this is uh, you know, everyone was, at some point, everyone's going to get COVID. All right, so Dr. Fauci, if that's the case, why are there any mandates anymore for vaccines or masks or anything? Well, you have to look at it in, in several different uh, pillars, Brett. When you talk about the fact that inevitably, if people have to function out in society, given the high degree of transmissibility of this virus, it is going to infect someone who doesn't have a high degree of protection. So tell me where the science begins and where the science ends. And tell me why no one trusts the government. And tell me why no one trusts science anymore, especially after this Fauci character, who, by the way, will soon retire with the highest pension in the history of the U.S. government, something on the order of over $425,000 a year in pensions, because he's been ensconced as a deep bull weevil for over 40 years in the government. Think about that. There's no other bureaucrat in history who has survived this long in the federal government. You ask yourself, why? Is he the most brilliant scientist on earth? No, he's been the most useful tool of the pharmaceutical drug industry ever created, Anthony Fauci, who will retire again with a pension of over $400,000 a year. So we don't trust science. We don't trust art. We don't trust government. We don't know who to trust. Which way do we turn? Where is the truth? Well, I'll let you decide. I'm not here to tell you what the truth is. I grew up in the golden age of art, the golden age of science. And, and don't think I don't understand these subjects. Let me remind you who I am. First of all, I grew up in an antique store. And so I was around art, fine art, since I was a little boy studying sculpture, paintings, jewelry. I understand art very well. I prefer classical art. I don't particularly like modern art. I think it's dreck because anyone can do modern art. It's only a matter of who gets promoted more. You try doing classical art and you'll see how few people can still do it. So that's number one. End of story. Goodbye. As far as science goes, I grew up in the golden age of real science. It's been purged. We have drag scientists now like Fauci who pretends to be a scientist but is nothing but a, a peddler of vaccinations and drugs. He has been since the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. And uh, most of America's mind, most of the minds in America have been poisoned by fake science. Whether it's global warming, the big lie, or how COVID occurs and how it should be treated while eliminating all natural approaches, it's all fake science. It's all about profit. So I'm doing this. And last night, to relax, quote-unquote, I watch a movie, 
Well, unfortunately for me, there was nothing on, on Turner Classic Movies that I could watch that would be worth watching. I don't know what it was. I just turned it on and turned it off. It was one of those bad nights. I think it was all 1920s movies, which I despise. I don't like 20s. I don't like 30s. I don't like 40s movies until the late 40s. Movies really were dreck, by and large, with rare exception. So I, I, I flip around on Netflix, which is a cesspool, as we all know, and I find a movie for The Gray Man, number one in the United States, trending. I said, okay, must be, it must be real garbage. You hurt? I mean, my ego's a little bruised. They don't have something they really want. What's your gut? It's going to be my funeral you're going to next. You want to make an omelet? You got to kill some people. I watched this movie, this action movie, and I tweet this afterwards because I was I was even shocked by what I watched. And I tweeted this school shootings, question mark, urban violence, question mark. I just sat through 200 million dollar Netflix, The Gray Man, shootings, death, destruction, nonstop brainwashing, promoting violence and the degradation of humanity. Add cannabis, SSRIs, and presto, there it is. Movie presented by the scum of the earth. And I should have added, I wish that J. Edgar Hoover was alive and running the FBI because this kind of garbage never would have been produced and distributed because he knew, he knew what it would do to the minds. Remember how powerful movies are. Hitler knew how powerful movies are. And don't think that the scum in Hollywood don't know how powerful movies are. Every movie is a propaganda film today. But you want to know where the school shootings come from? You think that they occur out of in a vacuum? No, they don't occur in a vacuum. SSRIs plus marijuana plus a lifetime of violent movies and violent video games. And what you have are dehumanized individuals with, yes, assault weapons in their hands. Now you understand school shootings, don't you? I would expect you might. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So it's one of those odd days for me. There's no specific political topic. I had to wear my uh, winter coats when I was out on my boat Saturday, bringing it back uh, from Sausalito where I had it on a dock for a few weeks to have some work done on the finish and on varnish. Coming back, I watched the Pelicans. And the Pelicans are happier and fatter than ever because the water is cold, very cold right now. It's been cold for a month owing to ocean currents. And when the water is cold, sardines proliferate. It's so heavy and rich in sardines that the Pelicans don't even dive for their food. They're floating on the surface like ducks and paddling with their legs and just opening their big, big gill, their big uh, beak, and just basically netting the, the sardines. So I come back here, and today I'm sitting and listening to uh, Charlie Parker, one of my all-time favorites. It does something to my soul, my brain, my mind, my heart, that nothing else does. I mean, there's other jazz from the era that I love. I could do an entire show on jazz, but jazz is so unpopular right now that I won't even talk about it. Movies, though, are popular. Books, forget about it. There are no books anymore. Um, Art? Tell me what art you can name, one artist, one great artist. You can't. There are none. So I'm thinking about that today. 
on this cold day. It's the afternoon, and I'm just drinking my coffee. And this podcast is meant for my regular listeners. I don't expect it to go break out into the world in some big way, but I've come to realize that my core listeners, who number in the hundreds of thousands, even without the radio show, they rely upon the contact I make with you, with them, through my golden microphone and my golden voice, okay? Mm, God, the coffee's good. It's late in the afternoon, but it's one of those days where I just want that second cup of coffee. And so here we are. I find myself pondering the death of art. Now, I realize a podcast entitled The Death of Art would not attract much attention. No one will even listen to it. But I'm going to talk about what the left has done to America's culture. They've destroyed it. Every movie, every movie has to have a lesbian, a gay, a bisexual, a trisexual, or something to that effect, or a black hero, preferably all of them combined in one. That would be a black, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trisexual individual who is the greatest person on the planet, even though they've done, done nothing in their life other than being uh, black, lesbian, and gay, or bisexual, or preferably trans. That apparently is better than uh, designing a rocket to Mars. That is better than designing a cure for cancer. This is how sick the left has become. Now, don't get me wrong. If people struggle with their sexuality, I'm all for helping them if they want the help. But if they want to impose their sexual views on me, I say no. And when you cross the line and go to the children, I say you should be put in prison. This guy, whoever Biden put in the office there, the I don't remember his name. I don't want to remember his name. I block his name. The man dressed as a woman who's running HHS is a criminal who is now saying that we need to give children drugs and surgery as young as five years old if they even feel they're transsexual. You know and I know that children can be anything you make them into. This man is a clear and present danger to the universe. But I don't want to talk about him. He's a sick banana that belongs in a mental hospital, but now he's running Health and Human Services. He didn't do enough damage in Pennsylvania. He had to be selected by Biden to run uh, the country's Health and Human Services. I, I think that's what he runs. I don't know his name. Levine, Levine. And wait, Admiral Levine, the one in the skirt who pretends to be an admiral. Now, I'm not homophobic. I'm not sexist. I'm not racist. Call me what you want. And I'm not intolerant. I'm the opposite of all of that. But we cannot, we cannot avoid the obvious. We cannot avoid the obvious insanity that has pervaded our society. So I find myself lately going to TCM. Hush, hush, don't tell anybody. But most of the movies I watch are from the 50s. I would say late 50s. I don't really like, uh, maybe late 40s, some of them are okay. But I like, prefer, I prefer... The 50s, the early 50s in particular, the Broderick Crawford, the Sterling Hayden characters. I love Sterling Hayden, a man's man, and he really was in real life a man's man. I could go on about it. I'm reading his biography. He wasn't a fake man's man. He was an actual heroic man's man and hated Hollywood, by the way. So I watch these movies where I know who the heroes are, and they don't put down blacks, by the way. I don't even see gay characters in the movies. Why must I? Gays have existed since the beginning of civilization. And believe me, I am an advanced mentality. I have an advanced mind. And please, don't try to make me into something I'm not. 
I've spent many, many, many a night in Samoan, Fijian, Tongan villages, and I understand the culture. They do not ostracize their mahus. The Hawaiians call the folks like that mahus. Uh, Do they revere them? No, but they respect them as part of the culture, the society, as part of the society. They don't elevate them and make them the gods of their society. So you ask yourself, why can there be no more movies made? Well, have you seen the ads lately on television? Have you seen many white people in them? Any white women? Any white men? No. All you see are black people. Or you see lesbian couples hugging and kissing. Or you see gay couples hugging and kissing. I call it the death of civilization. Now, on top of that, left-wing movies all fail. Almost every last one of them fail. I know people in Hollywood who can no longer appear in movies because they're white. That's their crime. Can you imagine we've reached this point? Books? I had many bestsellers, I don't know, five in a row with Hachette. And my great editor, I'll leave her out of it, I won't mention her name. She created a division for conservative books, and she had one bestseller after another. What happened is the so-called woke really is a code word for insane leftist communist losers, mainly girls who came out of college as completely drugged up and brainwashed. They canceled her division, and, and she was fired from the company for having success. They only publish books that reflect their perverted worldview. There's no other word for it. Perverted worldview. A perverted worldview consists of saying all white people are racists. America has always been evil. And all people of color are saints. I remember reading, oh, I don't know how many decades ago, one of my heroes, Bertrand Russell, called The Superior Virtue of the Oppressed. It really, it was one of those seminal books or essays that turned me upside down. Here was a man who was a certifiable uh, left-wing intellectual, Bertrand Russell, one of the greatest minds of his time, uh, who wrote Principia Mathematica, won a Nobel Prize for his insights into mathematics. And Bertrand Russell won two Nobel Prizes, one for his book Principia Mathematica and the other one for his uh, anti-war views, his anti-nuclear war views particularly. He was a left-winger, but he was rational. So he wrote an, uh, an essay, I think it was called, the superior virtue of the oppressed in which he presented his argument that just because a person has been oppressed, meaning people of the of the colonial uh, countries at that time, does not give them superior virtue. They're like the rest of us. Some are good, some are bad, most are indifferent. And that's when I became more awakened. That's how I became woke to the left. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I have a new book coming out very shortly that I need you to look at. Okay, Inside the Plot to Destroy America. This is as serious as it gets. And you can help stop this progress of the evil communist left by buying the book right now by going to Amazon. And when it's out, you'll get the first few copies and proudly show it on your living room table or show it at work and start to spread the message before it's too late. Inside the Plot to Destroy America by Michael Savage. Order it now on Amazon. So the few independents out there, well, the few independents, the independents out there are few and far between. And so for a moment, I want to jump cut back to one of my 50s heroes, 
Sterling Hayden. I have to go to the bathroom. Is it all right? You're going to go, you're going to go. I frisked him. He's clean. Don't take too long. I've written a thousand young men. You may not know this. Sterling Hayden was in the 1940s during World War II an OSS officer who was a real sailor who really did do daring missions on his own. And uh, the fact of the matter is he hated his movie career, hated them, but he did it for the money. He needed the money. So I'm reading his biography called Wanderer, which is a fascinating story unto itself. And I found this, what he wrote about the movies. And he says, I thought of the recent years of the films I'd made since the war, stretching off into oblivion under a crust of wasted time. Four or five films each year. Bastards, most of them, conceived in contempt of life and spewn out onto screens across the world with noxious ballyhoo, saying nothing, contemptuous of truth, sullen and lecherous. He's writing this about his own movies. And then he names them. Arrow in the Dust, Flaming Feather, Fort Defiance, Manhandle, and Carrie Drake. Take Me to Town and Variety Girl and Golden Hawk. Maybe two dozen others, names forgotten now. Small wonder I dumped the money they paid me. Money earned like that doesn't deserve to be saved. It's as bad, very nearly, as outright inherited wealth, which is saying a great deal. And he's writing this while he's out at sea on a big schooner that he bought, where he uh, basically uh, kidnapped his own children and set out for the South Seas to get away from a, a lawsuit from his ex-wife. He had been a Grand Banks fisherman. He had been a sailor for many years before he was uh, an actor. He sailed before the mast and as a mate and captain in big sailing ships. After a career as a Hollywood star, he became dissatisfied. His attempt to escape launches this autobiography, The Jacket Reads. It's amazing. It's the triumph of a complete and contradictory man, a rebel and a seeker undefeated by his failure to find himself in love, adventure, drink, or escape to the South Seas. He was a great writer. And by the way, if you really read this book, you'll see it's really great writing. And you see echoes from Hemingway, Melville, Steinbeck, and Mailer uh, in his book, in this book, Wanderer, which is about his uh, escape on the schooner. And the reason I'm interested in in um, in Sterling Hayden or a few re- you may remember him, by the way, he played the corrupt captain in The Godfather, the big Irish guy who beats up the Michael Corleone character with two big fisted punches. He breaks Al Pacino's jaw in the movie. Great character. I've seen him in many, many 50s movies. But he was a hell of a writer and a hell of a man. He also lived in Sausalito for a long period of time, which is near where I live. And I go to the same barbershop once in a while that he went to, and his picture is still hanging on the wall. And if you look into this book, you'll see a real man writing a real book about real things, and you'll find out that he was struggling from the beginning uh, to the end. And he goes back to his forgotten home, and he talks about what his life was like and things of that nature, about what he was like as a young man. And uh, I'll read you something. Look to the West, now form a circle with arms outstretched and fists clenched. This is the shape of the bay. Between your knuckles, a narrow thread known as the Golden Gate. 
The city flows all gray and cool around, around the curve of your left forearm. Your body is the mainland. A hundred miles to the east, paralleling the line of your ribs, stands the High Sierra, known to wilderness lovers as the Range of Light. Snug within your right hand's heel and beneath the mound of your thumb lies the village of Sausalito. Hillside homes alight, rotting old wharves that rest on wasted pilings to which starfish cling in the shadows and a schooner readied for sea. It's pretty good stuff. This is writing. I don't even think this book could be written today. Well, certainly could be written if you had someone who could write it. But there's a passage in here, Wanderer, that I'm going to read to you that combines elements of Hemingway and Conrad. I just have to read this to you. I marked it for you. Again, this is Sterling Hayden's biography of when he fled the United States on, I think, a 94-foot schooner with his children uh, to get away. And uh, he was heading to uh, the South Pacific to escape a lawsuit from his ex-wife. It's an amazing story. The sun rose that Friday in a pale and hostile sky, and with it came the wind from somewhere east of north to set up a deep moan in the rigging, while the blue smoke broke fast for the gate in kind of a running crouch. It was cold back aft, and the oil stove from a junk shop pouted like a black stump on the cabin floor. The mate was on the phone. It's Healy from United Press. Wants to know what your plans are for the future. I was hard at work in the chart room, trying to extract a second shave from a much-advertised blade. Tell him we're sailing for Santa Barbara, all the way, nonstop. He wants to know when. Sunday morning, 10.30 sharp. Ask him to come along. He says, is it true you're going to make this movie for Warner Brothers? Tell him yes. Tell him I'm looking forward to it because I've got grease paint in my blood. I looked in the mirror. A shudder went through me at the thought of makeup, the cheap jokes, the gossip and the high-priced executives who fawned over female stars with lonely, frigid eyes. The mate shoved his head in the door. Healy said he'll be down to see us off. He also said, tell Hayden I think he's full of shit. He goes on and says there was work to do that day. I needed money and needed it fast before the banks closed and the business world wrapped up for the weekend. It was one thing to contemplate going to see Stone Broke, quite another to do it with a court injunction hanging round one's neck. If I could muster nerve to go on with the voyage, I'd need cash wherever I went, particularly with the legal fireworks that were bound to occur. For if I found myself tied up in some foreign port, I'd have to repatriate the crew. And if things went smoothly, I'd need time, time to adjust to the disciplines of freedom. I thought of my debts, too. Never had I been in this debt, in this deep. If I could raise 10000 that day and squared my accounts, I'd be broke all over again. Well, they'd have to stand in line. I'd write from the South Seas begging their indulgence. For years, I'd spent money with practiced nonchalance. This was all to the good from the merchant's point of view. Maybe now he'd ride along with me for a time. So he's writing this book, Wanderer, which is a great chapter. Actually, it's a summation of his whole life. Sterling Hayden, that is. And um, he's, he's, he's lost. He takes the trip. It doesn't go right. And he finds out that life itself is not right. And he writes such great lines. And he says, the sense of disturbance prevails. Deep set its roots in self-contempt. This is the feeling that gnaws at a man whether he wants to admit it or not. I've lived with such torment for years and maybe I always will. But I can't help asking myself, was it really always this way? 
Weren't the years when I thought of my life with pride? Yes, there were. Those were the seafaring years, with my eyes on the goal of command, with each new ship and each new job a challenge, when I hurled myself at the work with good strong hands, and never a thought of failure, so it seemed at the time. That's Sterling Hayden's book, Wanderer, almost completely unknown, written and completely dismissed when it came out, and I have a copy of it only because he lives near where I live now, and I loved his acting. I find myself watching early 50s movies with stars like Sterling Hayden. I'm Michael Savage. I'll take a break and come back very shortly right here on this podcast. And where will I go from here? Well, let's roll the dice and see. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. Let's talk about how the West was lost. There was a 1993 television documentary. It was a miniseries about the expansion west across the North American continent during the latter half of the 19th century, but it was presented from the point of view of the Native American peoples, how the West was lost, meaning how the Native Americans, who were the original inhabitants, and there is arguments, there are arguments, there are archaeological arguments that there were Caucasians who had arrived here before them. But let us say that the Native American tribes had been here for 20,000 years, and then along came the colonialists in the sense of the Europeans, and the West was lost at that time. Death, destruction, disease, slavery, etc., from their point of view. Can't argue with it. But we can't go back in time. I want to talk today about how the West was lost from the point of view of Western civilization. And I'm going to give you a short thumbnail sketch from my point of view. 1950s, World War II is over. The men come home exhausted from defeating Hitler and defeating the Japanese imperialists. And they want to forget the murder, the mayhem. They move to the suburbs. The suburbs expand, the Levittowns, the little houses in the suburbs that the vermin on the left continuously the, the base, the little house with a white picket fence. And they have a lawn and they have a church in the neighborhood. They move to the suburbs. They go to church every Sunday. They raise their families. They keep their nose to the grindstone. That was the 1950s. Then along came the beatniks. Nihilists, socialists, communists. Allen Ginsberg comes to mind. And Allen Ginsberg presented himself as a Jewish holy man and perverted a whole generation of otherwise sensible people into thinking that being a degenerate drug addict who hated America would be the way to go. He was perhaps another devil incarnate along the lines of Bernie Sanders, but we'll get to Bernie Sanders at another time. Along after that came the drugs. Seeping up from the gutters and the jazz clubs came the marijuana, then the Bennies, the Benzedrine, then along came LSD and Coke and the other drugs. Then one of the preachers of LSD, Timothy Leary, destroyed millions of minds, giving an imprimatur of Harvard University, where he was a professor, to LSD, which wrecked the minds of millions of people, many of whom have never recovered. They are hippies to this day, working against their own self and against this nation, destroyed by drugs. Then came the anti-men, the Bella Abzugs, the Gloria Steinem, known as the Women's Movement, it was really a hatred of men that ushered in an entire wave of lesbianism as fashionable and superior. Then you had the anti-Christian crusades 
aided by many, including Woody Allen's mockery of Jews, especially the religious Jews. We would say the anti-Jewish crusades by the Woody Allens of the world, followed by the Kennedy Immigration Reform Act of 1965, where the lying drunk Kennedy promised it would not change the demographics of America, but it ushered in a flood of multiculturalism. And I'll ask you if that's been for the betterment of America or for the opposite. I look across this historic gathering and I see the future of America. As President Kennedy proclaimed a half a century ago, we are a nation of immigrants. The flood of cheap labor for the farms brought in a flood of Mexican people. In many ways, you could argue that was for the betterment of America. There may be the last hope for this country are the Catholics, the family-oriented Hispanic people who came in. Unfortunately, the next generation and the generation after that are no longer like their grandfathers. And then with the multiculturalism, there came finally the Muslims. The Muslims came in and arose Louis Farrakhan, the hate preacher, calling himself something to do with Islam. The nation of Islam, when in fact many Muslims don't believe there's such a thing as the Louis Farrakhan nation of Islam. In fact, they hate him because they think he's not a true prophet. Then there arose black power, black nationalism, which was really black supremacy. We hear a lot about white supremacy, but we never hear about black supremacy, Hispanic supremacy. Do we? But it's out there. And then along came finally Obama, the destroyer. He destroyed virtually everything that was sacred to this nation under the guise of wanting fairness. And we voted for him. Many of us voted for him, not myself included, but many voted for him because he said he would be middle of the road and fair and he'd straighten things out and make it. And he looked like an honest guy. Uh, you know, his mother was a white woman. His father was a black guy from Africa. And Obama had a conflict within his own spirit. And he chose to hate the white side of himself. He even wrote in his own autobiography that when he started to ape and he said the words imitate ape mock make believe whatever you want to call it that he was a black power advocate at columbia university he got a lot of attention he said before that he was a nobody a zero just a, a pot smoking bum but the minute he put on the act suddenly he became very popular and it led him right to the presidency with the whiny wife of his who made believe she came from the ghetto when she was a middle-class african-american it is a plain fact that racial discrimination still exists in both the United States and South Africa. And it is also a fact that the accumulated disadvantages of years of institutionalized oppression have created yawning disparities in income and in wealth and in education and in health, in personal safety, in access to credit. So Obama almost destroyed the country after eight straight years in every way, shape and form. And then along came Donald Trump who almost saved this nation, again in the thumbnail sketch, now we are living through the Biden gang meltdown. Where this ends, nobody knows, but here we are right now, and I'm talking about how the West was lost. Michael Savage, a host like no other. In this section of today's podcast, I talk about its Maoism not Marxism stupid. And the reason I'm doing this is twofold. One, it's correct to say it's Maoism. 
And two, it's because there are idiots in the media who think that by using the word Marx and Marxism, they will sound particularly brilliant. But they're parrots. They're copycats. They always have been. But I don't want to talk about the lightweights at all. I don't want to talk about the fakers, the imposters, the controlled opposition. I want to talk about you and I, the people in America. I want to talk about what we're living through. Many of us know something's wrong. We know that something's wrong because our borders have been busted and we're being flooded with Central Americans and now Haitians who are living in the Stone Age. We also know that they will never, ever, ever assimilate into this great melting pot. Never. And we don't know why it's going on and who's doing it to us. Well, we know it's Biden and the people around them because that's their worldview, which is to bust open America and most particularly to weaken the will of the white male. I mean, I, I have to be very clear about what I am saying. This is not happening by accident. That ties into the news where every ad now, 90% are non-white males. Why? It's to diminish, to embarrass, to humiliate the men who built this nation, the white males. You don't want to hear it, do you? You got very unnerved when I said that. You want me to redo white male inventions for you another time? I'll do it for you another time. And so, for those of you who don't really understand history, I suggest you turn this podcast off right now. But those of you who want to learn something, pay close attention to Mao Zedong, who killed 45 million Chinese who would not conform to his view of the Cultural Revolution. When your children go to school and they're taught critical race theory and you heard it's Marxist, they have, they're partially right. But what you're watching is Maoism in action. But why bother to talk about communist China right now? Well, because we hear about the Holocaust as one of the great tragic events of the 20th century, and it really was. Six million Jews were killed by Hitler. About seven million non-Jews were also killed in the camps. It was as if the Cambodian communist dictator Pol Pot's genocide were multiplied 20 times over. Pol Pot was a Marxist in Cambodia. But the biggest part of this story is the Cultural Revolution, when people were forced to conform to what is called political correctness. It came directly from that period of human history. More than 13,000 opponents of Mao Zedong's new regime were killed in one region alone in just three weeks. And that was by fellow Chinese. So if you have the illusion that your military will not turn on you, you are totally crazy. Those of you who think your military is above doing that are totally lost and nuts. You know nothing about history. The most important lesson to be learned from this is the actions of the Red Guards, Mao Zedong's enforcers. Now, who were they? Well, his great leap forward led to the massive starvation of Chinese people. Millions of Chinese starved to death because of Mao Zedong's insanity. Very much like any other government bureaucrat, Mao wanted to stamp out his failures, so he created enforcers called Red Guards, an army of thuggish children and young idiot adults who were used to kill or beat up anyone not towing the Maoist line, targeted first with the teachers as they are today on today's campuses. Any artifacts of Chinese history were targeted. A favorite method of those people was to whip their elders with the heavy metal buckles on their leather belts. Now the violence began at the bottom. Everything was very carefully planned at the top. There were constant messages going from the Communist Party to the students. The beatings, the beatings, the beatings. 
The students first confronted the teachers for not conforming to the political correctness and repeating the big lie, and then the teachers were tortured and killed. Just as the Black Students Union, Antifa, BLM, are now attacking teachers who are not towing their party line, they're taking their commands from the top. Some of them do not even know it. Today, the teachers are not tortured and killed. They're simply thrown out of the university after being shamed. Now, look, that's a lot of history to digest. But pay careful attention to this part. We are seeing a similar pattern emerging again, like the mobs on the college campuses across America. This all ties into my mantra of borders, language, and culture. Because without borders, language, and culture, we will lose not only our nation, but our life and our freedom as well. This is Michael Savage. I'll continue a little bit later with my insights into what is going on today, both from an historic point of view and from the point of view of the news that we are living through right now. And when I say Maoism, not Marxism, you must pay close attention because this rabid ideology of sociopolitical correctness is rightly termed Maoism, not Marxism. And we should talk about that, and I will perhaps in another time in another podcast, but it's unimportant that I do that right now. All you've got to know is that you are watching Maoism in action, and the cultural revolution that we are going through right now is what led to the death of 45 million Chinese. Remember, it's Maoism, not Marxism. I have a new book coming out very shortly that I need you to look at. Okay, inside the plot to destroy America. This is as serious as it gets. And you can help stop this progress of the evil communist left by buying the book right now by going to Amazon. And when it's out, you'll get the first few copies and proudly show it on your living room table or show it at work and start to spread the message before it's too late. Inside the plot to destroy America by Michael Savage. Order it now on Amazon. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.